Yeah, Phil, good to be back on. means we're a little bit closer to another season. And uh, as always, thanks for having me on as a guest. Oh, yeah. It's always a pleasure to have you on. We are getting closer. I mean, I'm, I got excited when it was SEC spring meetings because I know, you know, it's kind of like a, a process, you know, getting through this time of year. You get to spring meetings and you get to SEC media days, all the media days, training camps, fall camps, all that stuff. So we're, we're getting close. Tell people we're a lot closer to things kicking off than it really seems. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we've got a, all that list type material for list season as we all like to call it and we've got plenty of that obviously at sporting news it's part of my spring and summer routine and uh, you know i know we're going to get into that some of that right now yeah you know i'm um, getting ready for our conversation I, I was looking at some of your latest articles and i saw you know you did one on best stadiums or or toughest venues in college football and it was a very interesting list i, I really enjoyed it because the different ways you broke each one of them down and i had alabama as the overall uh best and toughest venue well they're also the best team so i mean when they uh when you pile up as many wins at home it's naturally a uh, tough place to play so I, I think with that um you know it, it was by a lot of different metrics you know first last year last five years Group of five places, places at night, uh, is ranked, you know, and Jordan Hare made that list as well. And you no, know, it seems like that's the one when I talk to folks who, who cover the SEC, whether it's radio or writer or whatever, they all point to that stadium because of the noise, because of the eye level with the athletes, um, is one of the toughest to play. And I tend to agree with them. Yeah. Um, I will say that's the stadium I've been in the most, and, you know, I may have. A little bit of bias here, but it, it is, especially I've been at some games at night, especially I think it was 2014 when they were still in the top 10, they played LSU, beat them 41 to 7, I think. That night, that stadium was electric because that was still Nick Marshall. I think they didn't have a loss on the season. So when that, that place gets going, it is it is pretty loud. Um, I know you also had on your list, I mean, I think another common favorite is always, you know, Tiger Stadium at Baton Rouge. Oh, yeah, that one, and it's probably its cousin up here would be um, the uh, Penn State game. The, when you go mm-hmm. to a Penn State whiteout, and I've been to a few of those, it kind of illuminates the mountain backdrop of that area, which is a beautiful part of the country, and makes it tough for other people. But, but you know, part of that, as I mentioned in the article, you know, yeah, it's tough to play at Tiger Stadium at night, but Alabama went in there and won 29 nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's tough to play at Beaver Stadium at night, but – you know, Penn State blew a twelve point lead with eight minutes left. And that that's part of it too, is uh you know, if I had to pick up here the toughest place to play, I would say Ohio Stadium because of the record, because of how big it is, because of how loud it is the loudest stadium in the Big Ten. And some might say it's, you know, Camp Randall in Wisconsin. I would say Ohio Stadium when they're rolling at night. Yeah, there's a couple of them, uh, big teams. I've always thought, of, you know, bucket list like stadiums. One day I do want to visit. It would be of Wisconsin because what they do between the third and fourth quarter to jump around. I would just like to be there for that to see how that is in live because when they do show it on TV, that looks awesome. And then the whiteout at Penn State on TV that looks intimidating. But you know, you are kind of right. If you're not good, the atmosphere with the fans don't really mean anything. Yeah, and, you know, that's part of it, too. There were some other places on there, like Clemson, Georgia. Um, obviously, Georgia's been a tough place to play the last two years. They don't lose often. And, uh, you know, that that adds to it. I think a couple on the spot this year, one, I said Michigan. I've been there plenty of times as well. It's an awesome stadium. It's one of the cathedrals, you know, mm-hmm. called the big house. And a lot like Neyland. It, Neyland and uh, 
Michigan Stadium are very similar because they are cool places, but sometimes you know they're not as intimidating as they should be when you're packing a hundred plus, hundred thousand plus in the stadium. Um, I guess I close it on this one. You know, it's another one in the SEC. Just uh, your feelings on you know, you remember what the the swamp down in Gainesville used to be. Where is it at for you now? About the same, you know, in that mid range for SEC. I mean, that's not easy to win, but um, when, it's different than the Spurrier era. I think when Spurrier was there, you just assumed that A, they were going to win, and B, they were probably going to win by a lot and maybe mm-hmm. run it up on you. And uh, that's changed a little bit, but I mean, with the humidity and the high level again with the athletes, that is one of the tougher places to play in the SEC. You know, in, in another article, you know, you, ha- you had out a few weeks ago is, you know, talking about the best coaches in the country, you know, ranked every single one of them. And, of course, you have Saban and Dabo Sweeney at one and two. Just um, how close is that gap between those two? Well, as I said in the article, I mean, Saban's one because you're dealing with maybe the greatest college football coach ever. At least I would consider him that. You know, when you're dealing with that, it makes it tough to not make him one. And But as I couched it, if, if Dabo beats him this year, That'd be three and four. It'd be hard not to rank him number one next year, and that's kind of the qualifier I put on there, and it's it's getting on that Brady Rogers type of argument. And right now, you know, Dabo's right with him in every way, and including recruiting, which has been the most surprising development of the off season with this recruiting class that Clemson is putting together. Yeah, it's really been interesting during Saban's time in Alabama. I think there's been a couple of times you've maybe had thought there was a coach that was on his level, could knock him off. You know, it was thought at one time maybe it was Les Miles. I mean, obviously that didn't happen. And then Hugh Freeze with, you know, the Ole Miss sanctions and everything, that kind of got knocked down. So it is always interesting when there seems to be this another coach rising that, you know, can maybe knock him off. And Dabo looks like the best threat to do that. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, he's really good, Dabo, and they've got the identical record the last three years, mirror, mirror image programs through the college football playoff era. Um, in the SEC, I mean, Jimbo's got a natty. Gus Malzahn's got an SEC championship. Kirby's been knocking on the door. Ed Orgeron's stock's gone up. Dan Mullen's stock's gone up. So they're always challenges. I do think that's one difference is Saban has more challengers in the SEC as far as the elite coaches in the country than Dabo does in the ACC, and that's part of the difference. Yeah, and you know, I mentioned one of those coaches there. I'm going to go with Gus Malzahn, which I wonder if you were to pull people outside of the SEC, would they know he has two victories over Nick Saban? And you had him at 19, and I agree with what you say. This Auburn's a hard team to figure out because you know they could be really good, they could be really bad. Just what are your thoughts on Gus right now? Yeah, it's the same. I mean, you know, like just what you said, they're impossible to gauge on a year-to-year basis really impossible to gauge on a uh, day-to-day basis sometimes (laughs) with Gus Miles on, so especially during the season. I mean, but you know, like I said, when you have a place like Jordan here that's tough to play, and you have a tough, but you have a tough schedule, you have a tough opener. Um, But most of it, as we all know, it starts with quarterback. When Gus has a quarterback that can run that offense efficiently the way he wants, I mean, he's had good quarterbacks that, you know, Jeremy Jeremy Johnson, I already forgot his name. Remember him, the uh, <laughs> quarterback that we wanted to make him a Heisman Trophy winner after two weeks, but it just didn't happen. So I, I think that's the key for them this year, just picking the right one.
Did I, did I get that right? Was it Jeremy Johnson? I already forgot about him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, most Auburn fans out here wish they could forget about what happened then. But, uh, yeah, hey, I was one, too. I remember I got all excited about him, you know, after what he did against Arkansas the first half of the 2014 season when he filled in for Nick Marshall. He just looked the part. He looked the part of a guy that could lead Auburn, you know, but obviously that that didn't happen. And then you're right. And then who knows? I mean, what what was at fault with Jarrett Stidham last year from the first year here at Auburn? It's, it's an interesting – it's a very – big topic i think down here when it comes to gus malzahn and quarterbacks yeah and it should be because i mean when they have that nick marshall or cam newton they've had they've done it different ways jared said them won them an sec champ or got him to the sec championship sorry didn't want to get that wrong um <laughs> you know so you're looking at a guy like gatewood or bo nix and wondering if he's the next guy because it is a scheme when run right it's one of the few schemes that's really given nick saban trouble at times, and they have. Um, the other being Ole Miss with Freeze, which I think was a big reason why Nick Saban was courting Freeze when uh, as a quality control coach, because that that offensive mind that Freeze has, I won't be surprised if Freeze does well at Liberty. So, and you know, Freeze and Miles on not all that different the way they came through. So it's it's an interesting thing. It's obviously a big season for Auburn, but yeah, if you're asking, asking me to. If you told me, Philip, that he's 10, I'd say, okay. If you told me he was 30 or 40, I'd say, yep, that looks good, too. I mean, that's how hard he is to rank. Yeah, and uh, you're looking at going into the upcoming season, you know, the conferences around the country. Just first, Alabama and Clemson. Is there a team in the country you could see could stop that from happening? You know, another matchup between those two, a team that could knock one of those two off in the playoff? Very few teams. Georgia, maybe. Maybe Texas. Maybe Oklahoma. Um I guess LSU out of the West, but that's about it. I mean, Ohio State, if, if Justin Fields is who we think he is, and with those guys, that's pretty much it. I, I don't know that when you start saying Michigan or A and M, um, Notre Dame, those schools don't don't maybe have the depth necessary to beat a Clemson or Alabama. And I think that's what's the difference is you're dealing with the top two coaches, the top two winning programs. Well, then they happen to have the top two quarterbacks right now in Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tagovailoa, and that's even going to make them more difficult to beat this year. Yeah, you know, when you look at, you know, first look at, you know, each of these Power Five conferences, you know, a quick look at them. The ACC, I mean, and we, I think we talked about this last time I had you on the show. You know, Clemson right now looks like it could be like Florida State was at one point in the ACC. It's them and everybody else. Who is the second best team in the ACC that they would probably match up with? You think in the ACC championship game? Well, they wouldn't match up with Syracuse. They'll match up with them in September at the Carrier Dome, and that's the second best team in the conference right now. I think the Coastal is such a mess because Miami's in transition, North Carolina is in transition. I think Mac Brown might and North Carolina might be the answer in two years, but not yet this year. Um, you know, Georgia Tech's in transition, so. Clemson's just going to keep building, and with this recruiting class, the gap's going to grow a little bit before it gets shorter. I guess you could say Florida State will be interesting, more interesting at least, with uh, Willie Taggart in his second season, but they got to get to a bowl game. So all of those things are at work as we're dealing with this season, but I think Clemson's the only serious college football playoff contender in that conference right now. You know, you look over up at the Big Ten, you know, is this Michigan's year? Is this the year they should and they're supposed to take it and overtake Ohio State? Uh, well, 
you know, we'll see. I mean, that's the game, but they can't get distracted just by that. I mean, they've got mm-hmm. a tough schedule. Play Notre Dame, Michigan State at home. Play Army early. Army's going to be good. Um, Wisconsin, Penn State on the road. It's it's a tough year for the Michigan Wolverines schedule-wise. But, yeah, I mean, what it comes down to is Harbaugh's done everything but beat Ohio State. And that's the game that's kind of hanging over the program's head. It's been hanging over their head this entire century, really. When you consider they're 3-16 and 16 against the Buckeyes since 2000. There's not many Michigan fans want to bring that up. But I think Harbaugh's done everything else, and, and those are the two teams in the conference that are capable, most capable of reaching the playoffs, unless there's a surprise from a Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, maybe. But I don't think any of those teams have the talent that Michigan and Ohio State do. Yeah, you know, you look over at the Big 12. I know last year it, it was a three-team race. It was Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia. I mean, Oklahoma, Texas, I mean, I believe everybody, those two should be really good. Do they have a third team this year? Um, not this year, although Iowa State's fun. They'll be kind of a spoiler-type team. Same with Oklahoma State and TCU. So it really is Oklahoma and Texas, and they may play twice again. And that's this whole, you know, we put Texas in the playoff, in our playoff projections. And I did it on the value judgment that I like Oklahoma, them over a little, Oklahoma a little bit with Ellinger at quarterback. I mean, Jalen Hurts is new to the Oklahoma system. So they lost a lot on the offensive line as well. So I think it's... Texas, Oklahoma, everybody else. And Texas is that team. If the defense is a little bit better, they'll make that run. I'm going to tell you, just from somebody, for me, that loves TV storylines when it comes to sports, if Alabama gets to the playoff, I would like to see them play Oklahoma. You know, just just you know, see the Jalen versus two of not maybe not even the game, just to build up and how that whole would go down. But you know, that's just a oh yeah, that that would be the number one potential storyline that could happen. And uh, you know, other than and I can't think of a bigger one that would generate viral stuff. Um, you know, but that that's one. And there's a couple other out there. I mean, if Michigan finally gets to the playoff, that'd be one. If if uh Texas breaks through, like I said, and the Texas's back stuff does that, if maybe if it's Oregon, you know, Mario Cristobal and them facing Alabama, it'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, you mentioned Oregon, so I wanted to jump finally over to the Big Twelve, the Big, the Big Twelve, the Pac Twelve. You know, let me say the conference name right. Uh, the Pac Twelve. Looking at the conference, you know, and it's really taken a hit the last couple of years. You know, being criticized is not as good as the other four. Who in the conference are potential teams that could sneak into the playoff? I think it starts with Oregon and Washington, the best teams in the Pac Twelve North. Pac Twelve South is a lot like the Big Ten West, where it's going to be competitive. There'll be some upsets, but there isn't a team that stands up head and shoulders above the rest, and USC's a mess. So I think it really comes down to Washington and Oregon. Oregon, a lot of momentum with Mario Cristobal. Justin Herbert comes back, should be talented on offense. And then Washington with Eason at quarterback will be interesting. And they're always – they've built a system that's been tough to crack for other Pac-12 schools with Chris Peterson when you consider what they've done, you know, playoff berth, back-to-back New Year's Day six appearances. It is the class of the conference right now. Almost definitely. And then uh, my final question is, with uh, this being the 150th year anniversary of college football, I just want to ask you, for you, is there a certain memory or something that sticks out for you in your time being a college football fan? Oh, I mean, it's just the pageantry of the sport. I mean, knowing, having those discussions of, like, knowing where you were when Vince Young scored against USC or when Maurice Claret scored against Miami, those big-time games. That's my favorite part of the sport is, you know, the rivalries are great, but it, when you stumble across that once-in-a-lifetime game, and I guess the one I covered in recent seasons where 
when you leave an Alabama Georgia game after Tua did what he did at the end and just kind of shake your head, man, I'm blessed to be covering this stuff. And hopefully, because it's 150, that, that we'll have a little bit of unpredictability this year. I think that would add to the sport, and, and that's why I got, got into it in the first place. Well, that's definitely it. Is there is you know I love both college football and the NFL, but the college you know, like the pageantry, like you said, it's just got a little something different. So it uh, it 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 is it is a special sport. I you know believe and I appreciate it. It, it is here, and I can't wait to Saturdays. We're getting really close. And uh, Bill, I once again I appreciate you taking the time out being on the show. I'm sure we'll talk uh, a time or two before the season and several times during the season. And if the listeners want to follow you online, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm Abel Bender 92 at Facebook, and uh, you can find all our work at Sporting News. And, you know, it's a lot of fun, like I said, and we'll have plenty of content leading up to the media days. And when Florida and Miami kick it off, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, most definitely. Uh, thank you again for being on, Bill, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime down the road. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me.